Are you one of the thousands of people who have added to their family through adoption? How do you sort out all of the resources, unravel the myths, and get started? Welcome to Adoption Unscripted with Micah Johnson. On our show, we introduce you to the families, the adoptees, and the experts who can answer any questions you may have to make this the wonderful experience that it truly is. Now, here is your host, Micah Johnson. Okay, we're back. You're listening to Adoption Unscripted Radio. Happy Friday, everyone. I'm Micah, your host. I am super excited to be back with y'all today. I have to say first, before I say anything else, thank you so much. I've gotten so many wonderful, wonderful well wishes, so many great comments. I really appreciate everyone listening. I know that um, I was kind of nervous and everyone out there made it so much better. So thank y'all so very much. So we had an an awesome show last week. If you were here last week with us, Shannon Murphy Johnson was our guest. She's from A Step Ahead Adoption Services, and she's an adoption consultant. And we were flooded with questions. So I don't want to take up a lot of time. I want to jump right in. But first, we need to take care of a couple of housekeeping items. So we have a brand new website here at Adoption Unscripted. I want everyone to go on and take a peek. You can find us at www.adoptionunscripted.com. On the site, you can get updates on uh, future topics. You can get bios of the guest. You can make uh, show suggestions and topics. And we can continue the conversation after the show. Um, Also, I want to let you all know that after the show uh, airs live, it goes into an evergreen podcast. And you can find the podcast on Um, iTunes, you can find it on Stitcher, and you can find it on Google Play. You can also find the podcast here on Voice America. If you go on my host page, you can type in Mike Johnson or Adoption Unscripted, and you can also find the podcast there. Um, All the future episodes are there. Like I said, they're evergreen, so they don't ever go away. And please feel free to share our show with everyone that has been touched by adoption. We want everyone out there to get as much information as they can about this awesome journey. Okay, so let's not wait any longer. Let's bring Shannon back in. For those of you who did not join me last week, um, Shannon is an adoption consultant. She has over 13 years working in the field. She is a subject matter expert, absolutely. And Shannon answered those questions so well for us last week. Like I said, we were flooded on Facebook, we were flooded on Twitter, and I have a whole list of questions. So, Shannon, are you here? I am, and ready to go. Fantastic, fantastic. I'm sorry, how have you been since we last chatted? I just wanted to check in. Well, terrific, and thank you for this opportunity. Adoption is one of my most favorite subjects to talk about, so anytime I have the opportunity to do so, I cherish it. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I tell you, you made that first show for me super easy, so I really appreciate it. Okay, so let's jump in to our first question. Our first question is from Thomas, and Thomas uh, wants to ask, how many adoptions fail, and what happens to my money if we suffer a failed adoption? That's an that's a really important question. It's an excellent question. And of course I would love to I would love for my answer to be there are no adoptions that fail, but that in fact is not true. We are seeing nationally about thirty percent of the adoptions um, 
are failing. Uh, the, the good news with that is the agency or the attorney that is facilitating the adoption will make that family a priority and try to match them immediately. Um, they understand the emotions and the emotional loss and the financial loss that goes into a failed adoption. So the money question is as it's as unique as the agency or the attorney that you are with. Some agencies will roll over the unused portion from your first adoption to the next adoption. Some agencies will refund any unused uh, monies. For instance, birth mother expenses are always what we what we call used uh, monies, so they're not refunded. Uh, those are the funds that are used to support birth mom uh, to all the way to birth. But, however, with that said, a portion of the birth mother expenses are post-adoption. And, of course, those monies would be refunded because they wouldn't be used if there isn't an adoption. There wouldn't be any post-adoption expenses. So it's... it's um, like I said, it's it, depending on the agency and the attorney that you use. When you work with a consultant like ASA, you have their expertise in sort of navigating the landscape, letting you know what you can expect should there be a failed adoption with a specific agency or attorney that you've matched with. So um, I have a question. I'm sure that a lot of folks have this same question. You said that 30% of adoptions fail. Can you give us um, an idea as to why or what the reason would be that so many of those fail? Absolutely. Historically, it's been uh, that a family member will surface um, sort of in the nth hour and put a you know, a big stop to the adoption and claim that, you know, we're here, we'll help you, we'll, we'll, you don't have to place your child. So oftentimes that is um, an issue. We can't ignore that there are women out there that do scam. Uh, there are scamming birth mothers in adoption, and that's a very unfortunate truth. Um, but that does happen. There's a very low percentage of women who... Um, basically, we call it adoption welfare. Um, they use adoption uh, to support themselves with no intention of placing. Uh, that is a very small, small minority of, of um, women who enter adoption. And then, of course, I would say the third reason is at, at birth, it just becomes too hard, and all of the reasons for placement um, seem to disappear. And they haven't, of course. But it's an incredibly emotional time and a very, very difficult decision for any woman to make. And so that can happen. And we try to educate our families that this child that you anticipate being your child, you know, adopting and raising as your own, is first the birth mother's child. And it is her decision. So do you have, um, so if, if I was an expected mom and I came to ASA and I wanted to make an adoption plan, is there something that y'all do there? Do you give me some type of counseling? Do we go over questions? How much um, time is spent with the 
expectant mom before she becomes the birth mother to event that happening down the road 10 months later when she's for she's faced to make that decision um, because you know I'm a mom and I remember when I delivered my baby I was all over the place you know I was I was all over the place emotionally so I, I can only imagine that that's a pretty large decision to make when you're that emotional and your hormones are raging and crazy so is there any um and I'm sure there is because I actually know the answer. But just for those of us who might not know the answer, what are some things that you do or work that you do with the expectant mom before the placement? Well, first of all, ASA is, uh, we are advocates for the adoptive parent. So we sort of work on the other side of the fence. We don't actually um, work with birth parents. We do get calls from birth moms, and we then would direct them to an agency or an attorney who could help them with the placement. So that's sort of the distinction between um, my role and what I do and then the the birth mother, right? So let's just say that we then connect the birth mother with an agency or an attorney to help with the adoption process. That question is an excellent question, again, because it, it, that's the most important piece, really supporting the birth mom, um, uh, providing the education that's necessary, the counseling that's necessary to make this ginormous, m- huge decision. And again, that is as different as the agencies and attorneys <laughs> You know, that's as different as they are. So some are very, very, some agencies are very, they have heavy social work on the birth mother side, and they really believe in getting the birth mother connected with a counselor and grief and loss and helping her and guiding her through the process. Some agencies do less work, less social work around that issue. But it is something that the birth mother can expect and and I believe is a very important component to a healthy placement. Um, I was I do a lot of research and um, I'm online all the time and I, I came upon this awesome site and I will talk more about it because we're going to have a guest that's going to come in and talk more about it. But they the only thing that they do is work with expectant moms. Um, then they eventually become birth mothers. And I often find that that component is left out of the equation um, even before the the baby is delivered. And so I really like that you said that that was one of the most important aspects because um, oftentimes birth mothers, they deliver this precious gift and then... Um, they're left. They're left with a lot of loss and grief to have to have to deal with. So, just for any birth moms out there, or expected moms out there, because you're expected mom before you're a birth mom, if you're looking to work with an adoption agency or an attorney, please make sure that they have services for you before and after you make your adoption plan and after you deliver, because. There should be full service, and that and that and that's a. That's something that I'm, I'm really passionate about. Um, so thank you so much for that. Let's get to the, ne- the next question because the next question that we had, and it was from Ashley. So Ashley, I hope that we answered that question for you um, because her question was about um, birth moms. The next question we have is, and let me see. I hope 
you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna ask the question, and then we're going to have a break, and then we're gonna get right back to it. But next question we have is, um, will I have any information about prenatal care or the health history of the birth parents? So that's a big one because sometimes you just don't have that information. So we're gonna go ahead and take a break in a few minutes, and when we come back, Shannon is gonna answer that question. If you have questions, I have questions actually coming in right now, and I'm going to try to get to all of them. But if you have questions, feel free to go ahead and send me an email, or you can go ahead and leave me a tweet on Twitter, and I will get right back to you. Okay, we're going to take a break, and we will be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Now there's a new destination for video content, voiceamerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, voiceamerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America Business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You are tuned in to Adoption Unscripted with Micah Johnson. If you'd like to reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to hello at adoptionunscripted.com. Now back to the program. Okay, guys, we're back. You're listening to Adoption Unscripted Radio. I'm Micah Johnson, your host. We're here with Shannon Murphy-Johnson from A Step Ahead Adoption Services, and we are answering questions about domestic adoption, private domestic adoption. So the last question, Shannon, that we were going to try to tackle was what information will parents get about the expected mom's prenatal care, if any? Right. So that, again, is as different as the agency and the attorney that is facilitating the adoption. So we find with our client families, we will send them intake information on 
different various situations that will be chock full of information, right down to birth mom's favorite color, how she was disciplined as a child, her hopes and dreams for the future. They'll have all kinds of um, background information like that, as well as her latest medical reports, sonograms, etc. Then we also will send out cases where we have very limited information. Um, For instance, maybe birth mother has not received prenatal care. Um, They don't have sonograms. Obviously, they won't have medical information. And so really that just falls with uh, kind of under the umbrella of the individual family's comfort level. I like to say that, and I tell my families this all the time, we won't go to contract, we won't be wiring money and, and, you know, sort of... um, starting this legal agreement until all of your questions are asked and answered. Obviously, in certain situations, all of your questions won't be answered. So again, the choice is up to you and your comfort level. So you, so as an as a adopted parent, you can say, I would prefer to have as much information as I can. And if I don't, get that information, I want to move on to the next um, birth mother. You, you can say that. Correct. That's absolutely correct. I had a very interesting, this is a little bit of a sidebar, but I had a very interesting situation where a family came to me from, inter, they were in the international adoption realm, and they had transferred over to domestic adoption. Well, they had been in China for three years. And they came to me right away, matched with a birth mom, and were very excited. And the adoptive parent called me in an absolute panic one night and said, well, I'm just really upset because I just found out that my birth mother isn't taking her prenatal vitamins. And I thought, oh, my goodness, do you think that your birth mother in China was taking prenatal vitamins? So what wasn't an issue (laughs) became a huge issue. And I think it was because maybe she felt as though she had more control. And the bottom line is you really don't. You know, you no. hope that that would happen, but it, it really doesn't always. And no, it doesn't. It doesn't happen. And I think that it depends on the situation, like you said, of the, of the expectant mom. It has a lot to do with, with um, her lifestyle. It has a lot to do with whether or not because there even in 2017 there are still um, moms that do not tell folks that they're pregnant um, and they're going to do an adoption plan they still don't always share that Um, so I think it has a lot to do with the mom but but prenatal vitamins as they are extremely important and everyone should take them who's pregnant if you know if they have the opportunity to what about um, opioid exposure or fetal alcohol syndrome those are those are issues that you'd want to know about not necessarily so you could change your mind but just so you can know what you're going to be dealing with in the future there are would you say that there are several um infants that are adopted that have been exposed to opioids and fetal alcohol syndrome Absolutely. We don't so much see um, FAS or FAE, fetal alcohol syndrome or fetal alcohol effect, um, because that is the only drug, alcohol being the only drug that we know of that really causes permanent brain damage. And it would have to be very excessive, obviously. That's known. Um, So we don't 
we don't so much see that. But as far as um, street drug exposure, prescription drug exposure, we are seeing that. And again, that is one of the things that our service uh, really, really tackles and takes very seriously is education. We try to take the scare out because, gosh, if you go online and you just, you know, research Tylenol in pregnancy, you'll freak yourself out. I mean, scare you it, to death. it's mm-hmm. exactly. And so we try to really educate. And of course, we have these wonderful little people who incredibly survive um, some very bad choices that were made um, in utero and they're just happy, healthy, developmentally on target and um, thriving. So I think that when you take the fear and the scare out of some of these very scary things, it really helps calm people. Um, Education is just miraculous. I have seen people go from... Absolutely no smoking, because smoking is harmful on a developing Mm -hmm. fetus, and um, to accepting a child that is born with some level of exposure and understanding now that this child is absolutely perfect in every way. So it can be a rough beginning. Absolutely, and I think um, it can be a rough beginning. um, But you know, I we sometimes our babies have colic, and we have to suffer through you know it can be a rough beginning but I think if if you educate like you said and you give uh, parents enough information and you and you give them I, th- I think it's just about education and, and tools and strategies and I think after that when we feel more comfortable and we feel like we can deal we're more we're more open I want to circle back because I just got an email from Demetria and she said please 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 ask this question to Shannon. So Shannon, do you mind if we circle back really quickly? Demetria wanted to know, and I I think I know the answer to this too, but maybe not. Um, Demetria wanted to know, let me see what she says here. Um, Can birth mothers change their mind after the baby is born? We know the answer to that is yes. But I think she was concerned with how much time are they given? And that, that depends, right? From state to state. That does. That depends on um, from state to state. So there are laws that govern that revocation period. Um, I would say the most common revocation period is 72 hours after birth. Mother is birth mother is allowed to sign um, revocation. Uh, there are some states that have a much much longer revocation period. Any time ICWA is involved. Um, and that the, is the Indian um, Child Welfare Act. Anytime that is involved, ICWA is involved, a birth mother has automatically a 10-day uh, period before revocation. So 24, 48, 72 hours are what are generally the states, certainly that we work in uh, and the states that we work with, that we see uh, revocation periods, and that is relatively short. Um, there are states where birth mother can sign right after birth. Um, some states allow birth mother 21 days or 28 days. However, birth mother is allowed to sign a waiver, basically waiving her right to that 21 days and then sign immediately. Now, is it true that the expectant mother cannot waive her rights 
prior to delivery. Is that true? That is very can, true. Okay. Okay. Right. Nor, nor can a legal birth father. So if birth mother is married, then birth father must wait until birth to, for revocation. A punitive birth father, meaning a boyfriend, may sign what we call extrajudicial consent prior to birth. That would be for a boyfriend, but not a father. Legal that's a le- husband. A, a legal husband. Okay, because Correct. I know that we have there's some confusion about birth father versus husband, and we actually have a show um, coming up about that, and it's really interesting because there's some there's some distinctions there that I think folks need to be made aware of. So we Correct. are about a minute from break, but I wanted to. Um, get this question out and we can kind of load it and then we can get back we can circle back to it after the break but it is about um it is about open adoption and you and i have had several conversations about open adoption so when we come back from the break can you explain to us well how much if any um i guess visitation or time should the um expected parent, which becomes the adoptive parent, I mean, the expected parent, which becomes the birth parent, expect from the adoptive parent. And from the adoptive parent's perspective, do they have to do any visitation? Do they have to have any contact with the birth parent after the adoption plan? So that's that's a scary one for a lot of folks who are adopting. I think they have this lifetime movie fear that someone's going to come in the middle of the night and take their baby away because... Um, Taking your baby away makes for much better television than everyone living happy, happily ever after. So I think that's a fear um, that folks that folks have. But when we come back, we're going to talk more about that. Because you ask, answer the first question, do parents have to make an open adoption plan? No, they absolutely do not. There's, there's three types of adoptions that they can engage in. One is a more closed, not legally closed, because that doesn't exist any longer in our country, but a more closed adoption. Then there's a semi-open adoption with pictures and letters to the, through the agency. And then there, of course, is an open adoption where contact information is shared and a relationship exists between the adoptive parents and the birth parents throughout the child's life. And what do you see um, happening more of those three? Which one do you see uh, occurs most often? The pendulum is swinging towards fully open adoptions, but I would say semi-open adoption is still uh, still reigns as the uh, number one choice that most most families and adoptive parents make. Uh, pardon me, adoptive parents and birth parents make. So. Um, can you tell me, and I guess we can get back to this after the break, because um, Aaron's going to make sure that I take this break, but um, can we get back to why open adoption is becoming the trend? What's going on now? Because adoption used to be shrouded in secrecy. No one knew. You, No one knew about adoption. And, and we didn't tell our the children they were adopted. We didn't tell our family and friends that we were adopting if that was our situation. So for us to be heading towards a more open adoption. There's a change that's gone on. So when we come back from the break, can you tell us why open adoption is is becoming um, what we see on trend, that more, more folks are doing it, and why you think that might be, if you think, and why you think that might be um, a good way to go. Okay, so great. We'll, I'm t- happy to. Uh, awesome. Thanks so much. All right, guys, we're going to take a break, and we will see you on the other side. 
stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast all the time the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts voiceamerica.com have you become a member yet sign up now to become a member of voice america it's always free and easy Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480 294 6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You are tuned in to Adoption Unscripted with Micah Johnson. If you'd like to reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to hello at adoptionunscripted.com. Now back to the program. Hi, you're listening to it. Adoption Unscripted Radio. I'm Micah Johnson. We're here with Shannon Murphy Johnson, and we're taking questions about private domestic adoption. And Shannon, we were getting ready to chat about um, open adoption and why that has become the trend. It Yes, and it certainly has. Um, there is a huge um, population that really has thrown research a lot of man hours behind this idea of a child being able to access their their information, basic information. And so closed adoption no longer exists in in the form of records sealed. So records are no longer sealed. Birth mothers, however, still have an option to not have uh, communication with the adoptive parents during the child's life. So if for whatever reason, and there are many reasons, that that is not a, a, would not be a positive um, element in her life, um, a, a reminder um, if there was a, a rape type situation, that type of thing, um, she might want a more closed adoption. However, that child still will have access to their health history. Um, 
this idea of a more holistic um, joining the triad together where you have the birth mother, the baby, and the adoptive parent all loving and growing this child and being involved in this child's life is becoming very, very popular. And I have seen firsthand open adoptions that are really beautiful. What that requires, though, is that all three points of the triad are engaged and wanting that and able to facilitate that. Sometimes that just can't happen by nature of the reasons and circumstances that created the adoption. So it's still kind of a slippery slope, and I don't think it should ever be... I really don't believe that one way should ever be the only way like it was when I was born and, it, and then placed for adoption in 1962, there was one way, and that was an absolute, like you said, cloaked in secrecy, mm-hmm. um, record-sealed type of adoption. I love now that we have choice. And yes, it is the birth mother's choice. If she would like connectivity, if she would like physical visits from the adoptive parents throughout the years, she absolutely can request that. Conversely, the adoptive parent can say, gosh, I'm just not comfortable with that or I'm not positive that we can make annual visits, then they don't have to submit for that particular situation. They can wait for a more semi-open adoption that would suit them better. But it is absolutely the birth mother's choice and she should have it. And there are many people out there that, adoptive parents out there that really only want an open adoption. They want that connectivity for themselves and most importantly for their child. Well, I think that um, I'm going to co-sign on what you said about choice because for some adoptees, and we run into this, not having information about their birth parents is not a problem. They, They don't need it. They're not wanting it. It's not changing their life every day. And for some adoptees, it is everything. It is everything. They want to know who they are. They want to know where they come from. They want to know. Sometimes they want to know just for health reasons. You know, um, um, if they're you know predisposed to certain uh, diseases or illnesses. And then sometimes they want to know for identity. They want that that will help them determine who they are. You find a lot of uh, young adults, young adoptees, who start to look for their um, birth parents when they're trying to formulate their identity and who they are and where they fit into the world. So I think that choice is everything and the ability to be able to make that choice when the time comes or doesn't come is what's most important. That's absolutely what's most important. And, and, you know, um, with 23andMe and Ancestry.com, you you saw a rise in uh, places like that, websites like that, because folks were trying to use those as an avenue or a venue to find out more information. Because for some people, they're just hungry to know. And then um, for the adoptive parents, you know, sometimes they want to be able to tell their child, I'll help you with this. I'll help you find out information. And they do make it more of a, of a family of, a family activity. Everyone jumps in and does it together. So, I, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. Choice is everything. It really is. You do, yeah, it is, and I'm glad that we've come to the you know time that we can actually make those people can make those choices. Um, now we have another question. I'm going to combine these two. 
One was, can um, single folks adopt? And one was, can same-sex couples adopt? So we can go ahead and just combine those two questions. And are there any folks that cannot adopt? Great, yes. Um, And I'm very happy to say that at ASA, Step Ahead Adoption, we work with all families. We have no discriminating uh, policies whatsoever. If you can qualify for a home study, we can help you find your forever child. So yes, same-sex people, folks, couples can adopt, and yes, single professionals can adopt. It's it's really wonderful because we are finally getting to the point in this country where we are changing the idea of family from this model that required a man and a woman and understanding that a loving home is what grows a healthy child. So, yes, that's the, the, the best news ever. Now, who cannot adopt? We touched on that last week, I believe. Folks that cannot adopt are people that cannot pass a home study. So if there is something in your past that is of a domestic, you know, would be domestic violence or charges that would prohibit you from passing a home study, you are not allowed to adopt in this country. And that would be pretty so, much it. Right. So only you know, if you have something in, something in your past that would preclude you from, like you said, some criminal charges or something criminal like charges, that. Criminal charges, correct. Right. So do we see, uh, I, I know that we have a lot of folks that we work with at Seeing Color who um, adopt from foster care a lot. A lot of same-sex couples adopt from foster care. Do you see a lot of same-sex couples that do domestic adoption? We do. We do. And we have birth mothers currently who will only place with a same-sex couple. So, so they're, they're requiring and asking and, and, you know, really wanting a same-sex couple uh, placement for their child. That's interesting because there was a time when, you, when we didn't see that as well. So um, I, I know that we work with a, a same-sex couple, and they um, have a, a two children. One they um, adopted from foster care, and one they had a surrogacy. But I, re- I remember talking to one of the, the, the dads, and he said that they had met a woman who was pregnant, and she wanted to uh, make an adoption plan. But she also had a three-year-old. So she was pregnant at the time, but she had a three-year-old, and she wanted to make an adoption plan for both children. How is is something like that handled? Where you, or is it possible to make a a private adoption plan for a three-year-old? Absolutely. Absolutely. Sometimes birth mothers find themselves in a position where they are just incapable of taking care of the children that they already have. And oftentimes, they will make an adoption plan with an adoptive family who is interested in both of her children so that the family would be on board and be at the birth for this new little one and also embrace their little, you know, toddler um, 
two-year-old, three-year-old. That doesn't happen often, so I wouldn't say that the statistics, certainly in the work that I do, I wouldn't say that the statistics are, you know, that register high, um, but it does happen, and it's, it's a really wonderful thing when it does. Now, is that, do you, do you um, is, is, and this might not be a question that you would, they would be able to answer, but if you, you are doing, um, like, surrogacy, where you're doing egg donation, is that a type of adoption as well, where someone can say, I have, I can be a surrogate, but you have to adopt, even if you're doing a surrogacy, is that correct? Yes, I believe so, and I don't do surrogacy work, but yes, I believe that it is a, a type of adoption, absolutely, and a lot of agencies now are doing um, the traditional sort of adoption, you know, birth mother placement um, legal work, as well as surrogacy work. Right. I, I, I saw that. We, we ran into the situation like that ourselves. So I think the last question that we have um, that we had come in, uh, no, I'm sorry, we have another question come in. Right, and folks, if you're sending your questions, I'm going to try to get to them as fast as I can. So please keep sending them in, and I will keep checking back. So the last question we have is, if I am adopting and I have adopt and I have one child, I have a biological child, do birth um, expected moms look positively or negatively on folks who already have children or who have already adopted? Yeah, that's as individual as the birth mom herself. So there are birth mothers who are not wanting to place their child with a family that has bio children. There are some birth mothers that say, yay, they'll have a brother or sister automatically. Um, There are some birth mothers that are very excited to place with a family that has adopted children because she believes that then her child will go into a family where adoption is not a, a foreign concept or something that's, you know, not not already uncovered and discovered and, and joyfully uh, experienced. So it, it's, it's, again, as unique as the birth mother. There are some birth mothers that only will place with childless couples because that is something that she feels very strongly about, that she is um, giving this family who cannot uh, have a biological child this gift, and and that's a a very um, rewarding experience for her. So the birth mother has a lot of say in who will eventually adopt their baby. They can have a a 100%. She chooses the family. She chooses a family. So she can say, um, I want a single mother, or she can say, I want um, two dads. I think Correct. it would be comforting. I think that that would be pretty comforting to um, someone who was making an adoption plan if they knew that they had, that, they had the ability to pick um, the, the right family for, for their child. I, th- I think that would make it... Um, it's still a really difficult decision. You know, Shannon, I can't only imagine. But I think if you thought that you could determine the kind of family your child would go to, that it might make it a little bit easier. It, I really think that that, that is the most wonderful thing about um, adoption that we're seeing. You know, we talk about openness and semi-open and all of this. Well, just choice alone. You know, back again when I was placed for adoption, there, there wasn't choice. 
mm-hmm. that the agency found the family and that was that. And so now a birth mother has all kinds of choice. And, it, and it's funny, you know, we talk about these things and just to put a real life story to the an- my answers to that question, we had a birth mother that was strictly only wanting to view profiles childless couples. She was adamant about it. Well, there was this one family that was very drawn to this particular birth mother, and I asked, can we just, can we just submit? I mean, yes, they have children, but they, they just feel a connection. Well, I'll be darned if the birth mother didn't look at their profile, read through the information, and found out that this particular adoptive parent was a preschool teacher. She immediately connected with this family because her fondest, the, her fondest childhood memories were that of her preschool teacher. And right. she thought, I, I, I just, I, I, I love them. This is, who I, this is where I want my baby to be. And they had four children. <laughs> so those, those sort of hard line choices can soften when options are presented and available. Absolutely. That, that's what it's about. I think the theme of our show today is options. Okay, so right. we're going to take a break. And when we get back, more questions for Shannon Murphy-Johnson from A Step Ahead Adoption. All right, see you on the other side. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Aliens with Gas, we are the extraterrestrial rock show airing every Saturday afternoon on the VoiceAmerica.com variety channel. <laughs> Whatever happens out and about, it kind of dictates our conversation. For sure. And we like to tie in a little bit of the past and obviously keep it real current. And real current was a couple nights ago right here in Phoenix, a phenomenon happened. On Thursday night. Phenomenon. 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 All right, never mind. <laughs> That's every Saturday right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, VoiceAmerica.com. You are tuned in to Adoption Unscripted with Micah Johnson. If you'd like to reach the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to hello at adoptionunscripted.com. Now back to the program. 
Welcome back. This is Adoption Unscripted Radio, and I'm your host, Micah Johnson. We're with Shannon Murphy-Johnson from A Step Ahead Adoption Services, and she's answering our domestic adoption questions. Shannon, I, I we answered this question um, the last time you were on the show, but I've got a couple questions from last week, so do you mind if we kind of circle back and cover those again? Absolutely. Okay. Um, one of the questions I have was, can you tell um, us how long the process usually takes um, when you are when they come when someone comes and works with let let's say a step ahead when they when they're matched with a, a birth mom and how that process starts. Right, and so typically um, working with a consulting service like ours, you will expect to be parents sooner than later, and that is solely based on you have more opportunity. You're presented with more options theme of the show. Um, and so we see anywhere, we like to tell folks, let's just stick with the traditional nine months from starting to create your home study or get, you know, receive your home study, pass your home study and create your profile to being matched with a birth mother. Uh, normally, we don't have too many people in our specific process past a year, and we talked about this a little bit last week. If you're with us longer than a year, it probably has something to do with your own personal parameters and the restrictions that you have um, when looking looking at different situations and, and different birth mother cases that come in. So it, that's kind of a... A tricky question because I could tell you four days. You know, I've had um, folks that were home study ready that signed ASA paperwork on a Thursday and they were holding their daughter on a Sunday. Um, We don't like people to think that that will happen for everybody, but we do want people to understand that it absolutely can happen that quickly. So it's just about choice and having more options. so it, it it really depends, but you're saying that sometimes you can match like within like 90-day period. I think I remember that from, from last week's show. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's unbelievable to ready, me. Yeah. If you're home study ready and profile ready and you're submitting away, you you it, absolutely can. Because I've heard folks that have waited a year um, to be matched. So that, that's, that's good news for folks out there. That's really good news. Sure. Um, the next and question that just, I'm sorry, were you going to add oh, something? No, no. Nope. That's all. That's all. The next question, um, that came in was about the birth mother's living expenses and our, um, ex- potential expected parents, adopted parents responsible for the birth mother's living expenses. Yes, they are. And they is that are this? Are they also responsible? I have another. Let me see. Okay, yeah. Are they also also responsible for their medical cost, medical bills? Typically, birth mothers are on some sort of uh, assistance, um, Medicaid, um, depending on the state, Medi-Cal, you know, that type of thing, and their insurance covers the birth and the child in the hospital. Okay. 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 And um, we're getting flooded here, Shannon, with questions at the end. I guess folks know we're about to wrap up. Um, Also, is there a cost for the home study fee? Are there fees for the home study? I know you can't, you don't know the fees for all home studies, but typically, are there costs for home study fees? Absolutely. So um, they can, they range, there's a very, 
just, and I think we talked about this last week, there's a, a, a just a huge range. Uh, I had a family uh, in Oklahoma that received their home study for $500 from start to finish with all their clearances, complete home study, all the supporting documents. Um, conversely, I have had families in other states pay $3,000 for their home study from start to finish. So there is, there is a... a cost difference, depending on the state and the agency that you choose, the state where you live and the agency that you choose. Can you um, do, do potential adoptive parents, can they live in one state and get matched with a birth mother in another state? Yes, that absolutely is, uh, that happens and that's pretty much what you have to sign on for if you're going to use a consultant because we work in many adoption-friendly states and you might not live in one of them. And even if you do, you might find your baby in another state. So yes, absolutely. And that you would have to go through then what is called the ICPC process, Interstate Compact for the Placement of Children. And Mm -hmm. all that is, is once you take placement of your little cherub, you wait for your state, the receiving state, and the placing state, the state where you adopted your baby, to talk to each other, go through your clearances, make sure you are who you say you are, then give you your clearance, and then you can come home with baby. Fantastic. And that's what... And that's the goal. Shannon, we run out of time again. It's flying by. It flies by so fast. You're so great. You ran through all of our questions. Thank you so much for being on the show again. Folks, Shannon will, you're so welcome. Shannon will be back. She'll she'll have her scheduled for two more, more shows. So you guys can hear from her again. Make sure that you check us out on Twitter and on our new website at www.adoptionunscripted.com. Thank you so much for joining me again today. I really appreciate it. You guys have a wonderful weekend, and we will see you all on next Friday. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for Adoption Unscripted. We hope you'll tune in for another edition of the program with your host, Micah Johnson, next Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a terrific week.